Hey guys, everybody good? Man, you guys made it through the storm. Uh, you guys are awesome. It's gonna be a good morning. I think God has something awesome he wants to tell us today. Uh, and I'm excited to bring it to you. Uh, my name is Jared. I'm the worship pastor here at Northwest. And I'm excited to teach uh, you guys this morning. We're in week four of our Knowing God by Name series. Okay, we're breaking down and discovering the character of God through the names of God. We're discovering deeper who God is by these names that are given to him in scripture. Because when we know God deeper, our worship gets deeper. Tozer says it this way, what comes into your minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Desiring God has this quote, it says, the problem of worship in modern church is not the wrong worship pastor, a bad sound system, an incapable band, uh, a question of traditional or contemporary or any other question of form. The problem is that shallow knowledge will never produce deep expressions of worship. Personal or corporate devotion will simply never Ascend beyond the knowledge of the person to whom we are devoted. Last week, Scott broke down the name of Jehovah, the self-revealing God, that God will never stop revealing himself to us. He is I am, he is Yahweh. And all these names from here on out in this series are gonna be what we're gonna call compound names. They'll start with Jehovah and they'll be, they're combined with another name. And today it's Jehovah Jireh which means the Lord provides, or the Lord sees. So God, he will never stop revealing himself, and through circumstances and through situations in our lives, he wants to reveal himself to us in a new way. And today we'll look at how he provides for us. You know, it's where we get this word provision, prevision. God sees. He sees your need, and he provides for it. The Lord provides. You know, this, this may sound really funny to you guys, but... You know, one of the most stressful things about Northwest uh, in the five and a half, six years that I've been here has always been this setup uh, every morning. Every Sunday morning, we get here early, we set up. And God knew my heart in that, that I, I can also say a year ago, I think I was ready to throw in the towel because of setup. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you about Jehovah Jireh in my life. He provided two guys in my life, and I'm going to shout out right now, Jason and Brad. You guys, if you don't know, don't know who Jason and Brad are, these guys get here in the wee hours of the morning to set this stuff up for us because God knew I needed it. He knew at the perfect time that I was weary, that I was distracted because of setup. And he provided two guys in our church to carry that load. And the distraction in the life of your pastors has been diminished because of that. And it is a gift. And I love those guys a lot. And I wanted to make sure... I shared that with you guys this morning that God has been Jehovah Jireh through those guys in my life. So this morning, we're going to look at chapter 22 of Genesis. And this is going to be the story of Abraham and Isaac. Some of you guys may be familiar with that story. Uh, and it's going to be a powerful one. And we're going to walk through it verse by verse. But I want uh, you to take something and hide it away in your heart right this second. The Old Testament is always pointing to the new. Okay, everything that happens in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. And we're going to see that in the story of Abraham and Isaac. It's going to scream it. It's going to scream Jesus because he is our ultimate provision. 
And before we dive into that, before we dive into chapter 22 of Genesis, I want to share with you guys a crazy story in my life, and even Adrian was a part of this. Scott was there. Uh, But earlier in my ministry, I want you to imagine 22, 23-year-old Jerry somehow is raised to this position uh, in church ministry where I got to lead these trips to Haiti. So when a ton of times, this, this group that I took this one trip, though, was my largest group I'd ever taken. I think it was almost 20 people. I think I got pictures up here. Uh, you got Scott was there. Uh, Rob was there. I don't know if you can point them out in that picture. But my biggest trip, I planned it out. We were going to be there for a week. It was going to be half medical and half um, discipleship. We were going to get down and dirty with these people, uh, teaching them about Christ. I had it all planned out. You guys know when you go into things, you have it all planned out? Yeah. I had it all planned out. But here's the thing about Haiti. If you've never been there, Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And it, it keeps people from going because anything can happen. And so uh, it's really where you go on these mission trips to Haiti, you wear one pair of pants, and they're flexible. And I had my flexi pants on for that entire trip because I went into those Bible studies, that discipleship, thinking I knew what God was going to provide for me, and I had no idea because he, he, he ripped those lessons right out of my hands and said, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to walk through James with these people. And that's what we did the whole week. We just walked through the book of James. Everything I had planned, the weeks I had planned for that thing, he just ripped it right out of my hands and said, this is how I'm going to provide for you. We're going to walk right through James. We did. Fruit was seen. It was an amazing week. We got to teach those guys. Uh, so awesome to trust the Lord through that because you don't even know the language there. And you have translators. You're relying on Jesus at every corner. So not only did he provide through that week of discipleship and through the, the medical side of things, he was not done. Because the end of the week came, and we're all so tired. Uh, we're tired of wearing these flexible pants. We're ready to get home. And so the last night, we're there. We're all eating our, our fun dinner together before we leave. And uh, we get word through the grapevine. This is anything can happen. Word through the grapevine that riots are about to break out in Haiti. Riots. Because something the government had done, they had made these decisions and word had gotten out that they were doing these things. And people were like, well, hey, we're going to, let's make a big deal about it. So word gets to us that, hey, riots are going to break out tonight. If you want to get home in the next two weeks, you need to get to the airport now. So we all, all 20 of us pile up in this van, drive through the night, because we were about two hours from Port-au-Prince from the airport, driving through the night. Now, I kid you not, I'm not over-exaggerating. We're in this bus driving and watching the people literally pushing the cars into the road and setting them on fire as we're driving by. As the Lord provides for us to get back to the airport, and long story short, we get back to the airport. We stay at this compound that other missionaries had had uh, next to the airport there, and we got home safely, man. But the whole trip, God's hand was on. The whole trip, uh, we had to trust him uh, and know that he was going to provide for us every, uh, every point of it. And I think God loves to show up that way. He loves for us to trust him. And in that trip, all I could do was trust him in that. And we're going to see that in this story. So I want to pray, and we're going to dive right in. You guys cool? Okay. Lord, we love you. Jesus, we're dependent on you right now. Open up our eyes to your word. Open up our ears to see how you are our provider. You see our need, and you want to provide for it. And ultimately, you have provided for it. Uh, We love you, Jesus. Amen. 
All right, so if you want to turn your Bibles to Genesis 22, it'll be on the screen as well. But let's read about this amazing story of Jehovah Jireh. That name is only used once in Scripture, and it's in this chapter 22 of Genesis. Uh, so we're going to take it verse by verse and let God reveal himself to us. Okay, so let's start in verse 1. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. So to Abraham, God called, yes. He replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, who you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped the wood for a fire, uh, for a burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. Okay, there are a few things here that we need to understand. Isaac is the son of promise. We, we have to know that for the story to really have the weight that it has. Abraham and Sarah, they waited 30 years for Isaac. They prayed for 30 years for a son because God promised that they would have one in their old age. If we look back at uh, chapter 17 of Genesis, look at this in verse 1. It says, Abram was 99 years old. Okay, 99. When the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God all-powerful. If you obey me and always do right, I will keep my solemn promise to you and give you more descendants than can be counted. You know what Abraham did? You know what Sarah did? They laughed. They laughed. This is crazy. Look at verse 19. But God answered, no, you and Sarah will have a son. His name will be Isaac, which means laughter. And I will make an everlasting promise to him and his descendants. Then you see chapter 21. She becomes pregnant, has Isaac. Can you imagine waiting that long for God to do something in your life? Can you imagine waiting? Then all of a sudden, he wants it back. We waited all these years, and now you're asking for it back. Verse 4, back in, in 22. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Again, I want to perk the, the ears of your heart here. Everything is pointing back to Jesus. Even in, this, even in these verses, I think it's so, so crazy. My heart immediately goes to the, the idea of it. it took three days for them to, to get to this mountain uh, three days to get to the mountain where God would provide for Abraham. I can't, I can't help but think about three days in the grave that Jesus would conquer death and provide for us. It's a perfect parallel. And we're going to see that all through the story. Don't miss it. Verse 5. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Can you feel it? Can you experience this with Abraham? You know, just as Abraham lays the firewood on Isaac's shoulders, I'm thinking about how the Father, how God laid the cross on Jesus' shoulders for us, for our provision. God laid on him the sins of the world, the sins of us, to make a way. Continuing in verse 6, while he himself carried the fire and the knife, as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we had the fire and the wood, the boy said, but 
Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse 8. God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. He will provide for himself the lamb. It makes me think of John the Baptist in John 1, seeing Jesus coming down the road and saying, look, the lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Look. He will provide. Jehovah Jireh. Verse 9, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. You know, one thing uh, was, was super interesting as I was studying this was I always grew up with this image in my mind of, of little four-year-old Isaac being tied down onto the altar. You know, most commentators, in the way the Hebrews written, in the way the journey took place, most of them believe that Isaac was at least 20. Oh, man, that changes everything. At least 20 years old, between the ages of 20 and 30. So check that out. Isaac went willingly to the altar. Man, this ministered to me so much, because we never talk about the faith of Isaac. We never talk about the trust that he had in his dad. I'm thinking, God... If you can make me a father that can leave my kids in a way that they would trust me so much that I can say, Isaac, trust me as I trust the father. This may seem crazy, but trust me. Ah, man, I think that's saying something. And I think that's saying something here about Abraham, how he's leading Isaac. He's saying, trust me as I trust God. Verse 10, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. (laughs) Can you imagine? Abraham, yes, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son, Verse 13, then Abraham looked up, saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh. There it is. Which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham. From heaven, this is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name. Isn't that awesome? Who's he to swear by but himself? I swear by myself. I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. Man, guys, this is us. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. What a powerful story of faith. Are you guys putting yourself in the spot of Abraham? I can't even, I can't even imagine. Think of how God has proved himself over and over, calling Abraham out, giving him Isaac. Over and over he proves himself. He tests Abraham to see, have you forgotten? 
have you forgotten what I've done? Have you forgotten that I'm Jehovah Jireh? I am your provider. God loves to take our needs and highlight them. Have you noticed that? Here you have a man, Abraham, who has everything. You know, there's two times in, in Scripture where it even talks about Abraham, his wealth doubling. He has everything except children. One thing he does not possess, God provides it. Not only does he provide it, but he provides it in a miraculous way. Abraham needed family, God supplied it. What are you lacking? What is your need? Is it your finances? Is it the AC at the house? Is it the car? Is it the mortgage? Is it your marriage? What is your need? What is your need? You know, there's a false doctrine that that goes around that says, once you come to know Jesus, all your needs are gone. You heard that one? You see, the needs you had before Christ are the exact same needs you're gonna have after Christ, except one thing, one thing. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. The chains of sin are gone. That is the only thing. You're still gonna have your needs, but Jesus is taking care of the most important one. You are no longer bound to the old ways. But what about all these other things in my life? He's gonna take care of those too, right? He's gonna pay for those things, right? I believe God chooses to take those things and raise them up a little bit higher just so we can see them a little bit better where it kind of glares in our face a little bit. He's highlighting your need this morning so that he can become what you need. God wants you to see him as the fulfillment of your needs. He wants you to see that. You have to believe that. Abraham and Sarah, they were barren. They were old. But they were supposed to be the the father. Abraham was supposed to be the father of generations. But it was out of their hands until the Lord had his way and provided. Not only provided, but provided in perfect timing that made him look even greater. I'm gonna wait till they're old where it seems like there's no possible way and then I'm gonna do it. And he did it. He did it. He wanted Abraham to see he was Yahweh. He's Abraham's provider. And just like last week, Scott talked about Moses. It's the same kind of deal. God wanted Moses to know, you're all that, I'm I'm all that you need. And he wants Abraham to know, I'm all that you ever need. I'm your provider. You know, it, it makes me go back to thinking about our move here to Arkansas. I mean, the, the time in our life where it was a little bit of a, a, a leap of faith to know that God, it was gonna be a, a process of provision for us because we had no idea how God would provide for us coming here, leaving you know, a, a very secure job, secure friendships, and coming to a land that we did not know. But we knew he would provide. We didn't know how, but we knew he would. And it's really humbling because God used people in this room. He used people to house us, to give us cars to drive, to give us jobs to, to, to earn money. Some of those jobs were a little bit more humbling than others, like some of the DVD players on Craigslist, but he was providing. 
for me. In hindsight, it's 2020 because I see it now. In the moment, I did not see it, but I see it now. He was providing. I didn't know how he would do it, but I knew he would. Verse 14, to this day, people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You know that picture of a mountain is a metaphor for our lives? No one ever gets to the top of a mountain on accident. It doesn't happen. It's a process. You have to prepare to get to the top of that mountain. And I think it's interesting how culture has totally screwed this up for us. From Amazon Prime to Netflix, whatever it is, we want it now. That process, we want it now. People think that God's provision in their lives is a point. And that's not the way it works. God's provision in our life is a process. I look back on my life in that transition here. And it was a process. It was daily provision, and it still is. It's not a moment in time. It's a process over time that he's going to provide for you and provide for me. A process of time where he reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord provides. He sees. So this morning, I want to take, I want to take three parts of this journey that Abraham takes with Isaac. I'm going to break it up into different seasons. And I think we're all going to be able to find ourselves in one of these seasons uh, this morning. And the first one is the valley. We've all been in the valley. And we may be in the valley right now. I see your, your, your eyes perk up because you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know the valley. You know why? Because the journey always begins there it always begins in the valley you know who lived in the valley abraham he literally lived in the valley of kidron you know and it, and it meant the valley of kidron meant dark it literally translates darkness you know why because the mountain that was was over the valley cast a shadow on the valley where it was dark all the time, and this is, where, this is where Abraham lived. You know what occurs in the darkness of the valley? The testing, the testing. Look at verse one. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. He said, Abraham, and he said, yes. He replied, here I am. Church, you may be in a season right now of divine testing of Jehovah Jireh, and it is not fun. You know, believe it or not, there are some really strange people in this world that like tests. I'm not one of them, but they're out there. And I remember vivid memories of the ACT. Like, I think I'm, like, scarred from this because uh, I had to do it twice. Uh, but I have vivid memories of taking and studying for this test and being like, are they just trying to prove that I'm not smarter than the rest of the world? They just want to prove that I'm a failure? Why? Here's the truth, guys. Life is a valley, and we have to learn how to live in it. Life is a valley. You think God tests you because he wants to uh, raise up your failures for you to wallow in them? Or how many of us are standing in the shadow of the mountain, unable to even hear what he's telling us? We can't even hear what Jehovah Jireh wants to provide for us. I bet there's stories in this room that would blow you away. 
of how God has provided for people. God has not highlighted your need this morning to condemn you or to feel like you're a failure. failure. He wants you to grow. He wants you to be stronger. The reason for the test is that he's preparing you for something better tomorrow. Something greater tomorrow. He wants you to be stronger. You can't see it now, but can you believe it? It never makes sense until you're on the other side of the test. It never makes sense. It's not there to tear you down. It's there to build you up. You know, there's always an answer to the testing that God divinely ordains in your life. You know what it is? It's surrender. It's surrender. It's the answer every time. Why is God putting me through this test? What is he trying to show me? He wants you to surrender. He just wants you to surrender. Believe that he is your provision. We can believe there's a God. We can believe his name is Jesus. But until we surrender, belief is nothing. The demons believe. James 2.19. After belief comes surrender. It's the step. You know, I had the opportunity to shoot a wedding. That's kind of my bivocational deal that God has provided for me. Uh, and I got to shoot this wedding for this girl who worked in the NICU over at Washington Regional. And she would tell me these stories of these little premature babies that you, you could fit them in your hand. You know, some of the most precious gifts from the Lord. You fit them in your hand. And she, she would tell these stories about how she would have to go in and take these babies away from their mothers and stick them in these boxes called incubators. So she would literally have to, to, to rip them from the mother's hands uh, to take them to these, these boxes of isolation because it literally was the only way this baby would survive was to be in this. It was the only way the baby could mature. Are you with me? Surrender is the incubator of our belief. It's how we grow. Surrender is how your belief grows into something. It's how it grows into the blessing of God, how it grows into the testing of God, the blessing of growth. I'm gonna share some areas of my life and I want it to come across right. I don't want you to think I'm being puffed up or, or saying look at me because these are struggles. These are things that I'm having to learn and grow through. As God is showing me that he's saying, Jared, I'm your provider, don't lose sight of me. I don't just believe that God is Jehovah Jireh in my life. I let jobs that come my way, I let them go sometimes when they're gonna, when they're gonna mess up my Sabbath or they're gonna keep me from loving my people well. I let them go and I know, God, you're gonna provide. I can let that job go. They'll, another one will come, you'll provide. I don't just believe uh, Jesus is Jehovah Jireh in my life, I tithe. I believe he's gonna take care of me. I don't just believe he's Jehovah Jireh, I go overseas, I go to, on mission trips. I don't hold my health and my wellness so tightly that I'm gonna say no to those things. I know he's gonna provide for me. He's gonna take care of me. I don't just believe in Jehovah Jireh, I give my kids salvation to him because it's not gonna come from me. It's going to come from him. I believe he will provide for me. 
Your belief in God, your provider, must be followed by action. It has to be followed by surrender. You can't just say it. You can't just say, I believe he's going to provide for me. Show it. We have to walk it, church. And these are areas in my life that he is stretching me, especially that first one of, of letting jobs go. That is a struggle for me. Struggle, because what if, what, what if another one doesn't come along? But he will provide. He, he promises it. It may not be your finances this morning. It may not be your family. It may not be your health. God wants whatever you think is your source of provision. He wants it. Isaac, for Abraham, that was his legacy. That was his 401k. His retirement was in Isaac. You know, back then, your kids took care of you when you were older. No kids, you're in trouble. But you know what God asked Abraham? Will you give me the one who you think is your provider and let me be your provider? That is the valley, church. We all have to start there, believing and surrendering. Then there's a second part of the journey, the climb, the ascent up the mountain. You see, the valley, we made commitments, but they have not been fulfilled yet. It took Abraham three days to get up the mountain, three days. Can you imagine the emotion? Every day, every moment was a moment of surrender to the Lord. He was giving up Isaac over and over and over again, walking up that mountain, daily surrender. I think through the climb is where we learn to trust. Look at Abraham in verse 5. He says, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. We'll come right back. Abraham believed. He knew with all of his heart. In, in Hebrews eleven nineteen, 19, it even says that Abraham believed so much in Jehovah Jireh that he knew that Jesus, God, would raise Isaac from the dead. That was his faith. He trusted Jehovah. God had called him out and had made a promise, and he trusted him. Have you found yourself there? Abraham was certain of what would happen, but had no idea how it would happen. Have you found yourself there? You know what God is going to do, but you have no clue how he's going to do it. Guys, I find myself staring at the scripture, uh, studying this, and thinking about this church. God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know you will. God, I know you want to grow this church, but I don't know how you're going to do it. God, I know you want to raise up the next generation, but I don't know how you want to do it. Jesus, I know you want Northwest Arkansas to know you, but I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how, but I know who. I know who's going to do it. I don't know how, but I know who's going to do it. Verse 7, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood. And the boy said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? How? How are we going to do this? There's no lamb. Verse 8, guys, this is, this, is, this is a word for our life. God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, Anybody 
in this room be bold enough this morning to say, I don't know. That school debt, I don't know how we're gonna pay this off. Broke down cars, I don't know how we're gonna get another car or how, how he's gonna provide for that. These kids, I have no idea how he's gonna help me raise these kids. Married, suffering, I don't know how we're gonna survive this. Does anybody in this room this morning know who, though? Do you know who? You know who the maker of heaven and earth is? Do you know who raised the dead from li- dead to life? Do you know who put the stars in the sky and knows every hair on your head? Do you know who? You may not know how, but do you know who? Jehovah Jireh. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Does anyone know who? And lastly, this morning, what feels like the most exciting season, the mountaintop, the peak, the summit. I say it feels like the most exciting Because a lot of times, the top of that mountain is not what you think it is. You think it's finished. You think it's all good up here. But do you understand that this is where your commitment is brought to life? The follow through from the valley. Oh, it's easy to make commitments down there. It's easy in the valley when you're up against the wall. What do you have to lose? It's easy to tie $10 when you're only making 100 It's easy to give everything when you got nothing. When he gives it back to you, are you going to be willing to give it back to him? You know, we talked about the Jehovah Jireh meaning the God who sees. Why is that important this morning? What does it have to do with providing? Because Jehovah Jireh sees your need, he sees your heart, and he sees your commitment. He sees. They're saying the hard times is when you really see what people are like. I'll argue that, and I'll say it's in the good times that you really see what people are like. When they have everything is when you really see where people's dependence lies. Do you need him when you don't need anything? Do I need him when my needs are met? Oh, you needed me down here. You made a lot of promises down here. But what about now? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides, the Lord sees. Remember that that word provision. God sees your need in advance. He is the fulfillment of your needs. John Piper says it this way. What is the deepest root of your joy? What God gives to you or what God is to you? God graciously guides us into a greater realization that our ultimate need is for more of his word, more of his ways, more of him. It's the whole point of this series. We want to know him more. We want to know who he is more. He is what we need. And the reality is God chooses to provide how he sees fit. And we need to be confident in it. Isaiah 55 says his ways are higher than our ways. Mm. Let that soak in for a minute. His ways are higher than our ways. You know what that means? He knows your need better than you do. He knows your needs better than you even know your needs. He may not save her life. He may not give you that baby. 
He may not provide the sweetest worship space that we dream of. He may not provide the job at the right time. He may not even keep your marriage from facing tough seasons, but he knows. Even when circumstances don't make sense, he wants you to realize he is what you need. When prayers aren't being answered how you want, he's still Jehovah Jireh. He has provided you with himself. God's ultimate provision has already been given in the gospel. It's already been given in the cross. All we'll ever need. You know the ram that comes in at the end of the story in, just, in this amazing fashion. You realize that the ram, the ram that was caught in the thicket has to be the quietest ram in all of history, caught in the thicket. Because he was there the whole time. The sacrifice was there the whole time. It wasn't until Abraham followed through that God revealed himself as provider. God is always Jehovah Jireh. But it isn't until you get to the top that you see it. He was Jehovah Jireh in the valley. He's Jehovah Jireh in the climb. And he's Jehovah Jireh on the top. He never changes. No matter what season you find yourself in this morning, the ram is already caught. He didn't become your provider on the mountaintop. He was your provider in the valley. In the darkness, he sees. He sees your need. He has provided Jesus. He has provided the lamb. Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jehovah Jireh, he climbed the mountain of Calvary on our behalf. Jehovah Jireh, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all. He sees you, he loves you. And he has and will continue to provide for you. You know, the apostles, Peter, James, John, Paul, they all believed in this with everything. They suffered for this. They died for this. The gospel, because they said it's worth it. They had something in the gospel that had far more worth. Hear me, life is fleeting. Life is fragile. Life is a vapor's breath. The next life, the age to come, is where God's provision and care for us is gonna make sense. It's gonna ultimately make sense and come together. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pray for us this morning as we close up here. And I wanna specifically pray for you guys who are in the valley, who finds yourself at the foot of the mountain in utter darkness in the valley. Because it's time to make a decision. Surrender. It's what he's calling us to. Surrender. You may have gone back and forth. You may have started the climb and you're back at the bottom. Being overcome by whatever it may be, that three-day journey. You find yourself back at the bottom, but guess what? He's still Jehovah Jireh. He's still your provider. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
If you want to begin that climb this morning out of the valley, out of, out of the darkness into marvelous light of a Savior named Jesus, I want to share with you guys a, a prayer here. And me and Scott, we're going to be up front here once our gathering's over. I'd love to walk you through what it looks like to surrender your life to Jesus. I'm telling you guys, there's nothing greater. So I'm going to ask every every head bowed, eyes closed. I just want to read this old Puritan prayer over you guys. And I want you to hear this. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, thou hast brought me to the valley of vision where I live in the depths, but see thee in the heights, hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul. That to have nothing is to possess all. That is to bear the cross is to wear the crown. That to give is to receive. That the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime stars can be seen from the deepest wells, deepest well. And the deeper the wells, the brighter thy stars shine. Let me find thy light in my darkness thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory in my valley. Jesus, we offer up our surrender to you this morning. God, we love you. We want more of you. We want to know you more. God, we come to you as we are with all of our baggage and everything, Lord. We want more of you. God, do that in our hearts. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, guys. Let's respond. Let's sing.